0: Today's date is Thursday, May 6th, 2021. My guest today is none other than Ryan Kinney, uh, three-time guest, Mr. Kinney, I believe. So welcome back to the uh, podcast. This is going to be a kind of um, uh, a debrief on the recent trip to Florida and just kind of see what Ryan has been up to. And uh, (laughs) we were just talking about how you're mildly disappointed that the next newest episode is going to be you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely excited that there's going to be a new episode out, but kind of a little bummed that I'll have already listened to it or at least have lived through it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty funny. Um, So let's see here. Let's first, let's knock out a little sponsorship. Ryan, you said you're going to give me some help out with this one. So um, as we all know, the Aquarius podcast is sponsored by none other than the Aquarium Co-op. Ryan, what is like one or two products that uh, you really enjoy uh, from Aquarium Co-op or you think is cool or that you'd like to uh, give a little plug to?
1: Yeah, something I've used recently is the, the egg tumbler. There's this egg tumbler. Egg tumblers aren't something that I've used a ton of, uh, but the one I've used in the past never fit like a 20 long or a 10 gallon. And I run a lot of 20 longs and 10 gallons. And it works, it just seems to work really good. It's a little, it's really wide. It's kind of, I guess it's a little shorter, but it's, the volume is much larger than the ones I've seen because it's so wide. And I actually saved me a batch of long albino plecos, got kicked out of the cave and threw them in the Zist, uh egg tumbler, and they were good to go.
0: Nice. There you go, folks. So immediately for me, like, what comes to mind is Corydoras, but, yeah, uh, nose plecos, any, you know, any of the catfish that, you know, might potentially uh, kick out their eggs. Um, African cichlids are also going to be a, a pretty big use case, you know, kind of mimicking that um, mouth-brooding, mouth-tumbling kind of action. So if you happen to strip the eggs before, you know, you let nature do its thing, um, the egg tumbler is a great product for that. And it's, you know, one that doesn't get a whole lot of love out there but you know it's it's one of those products that like that can make you feel real good for a long time if you're able to save some fish with the egg tumbler right like you get this clutch of eggs and maybe oh, you yeah. don't have the equipment or the skill otherwise to hatch them out you know and sure sure there's going to be other methods to do it but the egg tumbler does a pretty good job
1: no it was like super efficient i you know just the, the way it's built with the filter the surface area of the filter and, or the pre-filter, I guess it's called, just to, to keep the, the inside pretty clean, and the, 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 sep- the egg sack kind of separated from the wigglers. Like I said, I didn't have any issues. All the eggs that I was able to put in the tumbler were successfully hatched. You, so. th-
0: this is going to sound ridiculous, and I, and I say many ridiculous things, but even if it, like, in function, even if the end result, it did not work, which it does, the zis quality, <laughs> like, the zis build quality and feel for all their products is superb. Right, like, do do you kind of know what I'm saying? Like, when you actually hold a Zis product, whether it's the egg tumbler, whether it's the the bio bubble filter media thingamajigger, um, which I run a ton of in my fish room, or the brine shrimp hatcher or the breeder box, the quality and the craftsmanship is superb. Like, they are incredibly well engineered, incredibly well built um, pieces of equipment in our for our fish room.
1: I, I I couldn't agree with you more, and I really believe that. Uh, this, is back, this is back to Corey and Aquarian co-op and kind of his just sourcing. I know you're a part of it, too, just sourcing the right materials and either finding the best, you know, most, more, most durable product out there or, yeah. you know, creating it if it doesn't exist. And I know this to be true because this is a little bit of a tangent, but I just purchased a water bottle off Amazon that he recommended me and Corey. And as soon as I opened it out of the box, I like, oh, this is quality. And I, I bought it because he mentioned that he had tested like 10 other water bottles. And I know that's what he does with aquarium stuff. And I know it's what he did with, I'm sure, six other egg tumblers and six other, you know, um, <laughs> Wait, artemia blenders or whatever the heck. I know he's continually doing it. It's like the kaktaki water bottle, whatever it's called.
0: Like an actual drinking uh, water bottle or is it a water like bottle? A drink,
1: yeah. No, I'm like a drinking water <laughs> bottle. I'm a big, I'm a, if you know me, I'm a big. It's nothing to do with fish keeping whatsoever. I consume a lot of aquarium co-op. Content. I'll be the first to admit it, I'm a fanboy. And on his, on his, uh on a live stream recently, he had mentioned this water bottle, and I had this like a, I used like a just a GNC blender water bottle, and at the top it cracked. So I was literally in the market for a water bottle. Okay. This thing's like twenty bucks. It's all not right. expensive. I'm going to water bottle.
0: We're we're gonna we're, we're already derailing the podcast. Oh, we're totally all right. Dude, it's let's gotta, let's give a shout out to this water bottle, this actual like drinking water bottle. So what's the name of it?
1: Cactaki, it's like a cactus. It's like C A C K T I. I don't know. There Caktaki. it is. Cactaki. Wa- it was like twenty bucks. Oh was, yeah, awesome, yeah, like, yeah,
0: yeah. I've seen him drink from could this. You can tell
1: the plastic. Everything, every the, the 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 way the top is designed. Everything you could tell is just a lot of thought into it. Very high durable plastic, and it's the same thing with the Zis blender or the Zis blender and the Zis egg tumbler. You could just you feel it, you look at it, and you could tell like okay, this is a premium product, not a not a cheap one. <laughs> A,
0: that is awesome cuz initially when you said water bottle my thought went to like when dean recommended a certain uh, bottle of of drinking water to use okay. for uh brine shrimp hatching i don't know if you remember dean has, oh. has done that before where uh, i'm going to i'm going to draw a complete blank on the 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 name of the the brand of the water bottle he recommends but it's it, it looks i think it's got like a red cross on it but um that's what I thought you were talking about. I thought Corey was was recommending like a DIY oh, no, brine no, shrimp no, water bottle. A water but no,
1: bottle man. <laughs> You're talking an actual straight up water bottle, yes, dude. yes. But it, no, but I mean, but it really is because I trust him. I know that. He, I mean, he said it. He he got six other water bottles, and this one broke there. This one did this, and this was one that kind of checked all the boxes. And I know he does that kind of research well, with the products here, he
0: carries. Here's the little secret about that, right? And the reason why he does that, the reason why kind of we do that as like a sourcing <clears throat> philosophy, is if you source junk you're going to like pay for it in customer service hours like it's going to be a massive mm. massive pain in the butt like one like we he and i like nobody wants junk right like nobody wants something that you are going to be less than satisfied with uh with the purchase so there there's kind of that inherent standard but from a business standpoint, you don't want to sell bad products because people are going to complain you're going to get a bad rep. Like, all of these negative experiences happen when you source things that don't work and they don't live up to what they, they're supposed to. So you, you kind of shouldn't sell junk, right? And uh, there's there's one famous tool store out there that famously sells a lot of junky stuff, but they seem to do okay. <laughs> but maybe that's just the expectation, though, right? Like, if we were, you know, if you have a business that's known for like, hey, man, Seven times out of ten, something's gonna work. But those other three times, you're on your own. Like, and that's just kind of the agreement that you go into it with. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna give you five dollars for that um, welder, right? <laughs> and mm. you know, maybe five times out of ten, you know, half the time that welder's gonna work, and the other half it might shock me. You know, but uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was yeah, a seven. Yeah, it was guess, a
1: seven dollar welder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I totally agree, and I guess that business model makes sense, and I guess some people prefer that. But you know, in this case clearly uh a little bit of a premium product
0: <laughs> but this water bottle though is not too bad the 18 eh, 18 bucks for 32 ounce water bottle that's that's not terrible I mean that's a fairly durable good so like as long as you don't lose it you should you know you should be able to use that thing for quite some time
1: yeah I'm hoping to get a lot of mileage out of it
0: <laughs> so there you go, folks. you can go to Aquarium Co-op. you can, you can consume content for fish related stuff, but then you can also get just like the best findings on Amazon. <laughs> maybe maybe that will be like the some, some like extras where I know I know there's articles where it's like the top 25 items on Amazon that you don't know about, but you need in your life.
1: And, uh, we'll, we'll do that, but just for Corey. Right? <laughs> uh, he probably knows, he probably has them, dude. I'm telling you, man, it was it's, I mean I've only had it for like 24, 48 hours but it's been it's fantastic. I took it with me today. I was telling you before we started recording that did my little uh I did a little roundabout trip of some fish stores today in Orlando and I it rode shotgun with me. It was, it was perfect.
0: <laughs> and you need to and you need to drink a lot of water. You need to stay hydrated. You uh, I do.
1: Yeah.
0: I do. Stay hydrated. All right, I'm so w- boy. where <laughs> Where do you want to start off? you want to start off with your uh, tour of fish stores? I mean, is that is that a little bit too behind the scenes right now? Do you want to talk about No collecting I mean, do you want to talk about falling in the mud about um oh, getting man. bit Which time <laughs> um, i only saw it once
1: you tell i mean you tell me i don't care we, we, we could start wherever what do you uh however you want to tackle it
0: <sighs> long time ago in a galaxy far <laughs> far away actually no we're two days late for that this is may 6th not may oh 4th. yes all right um <clears throat> yeah i mean i guess we could just say in general like one uh you are an absolutely stellar person because i hit you up probably a month ago and said, hey. You and Zane, right? Zane from episode like 99 or 98 or something. Like, hey guys, I'm gonna be in Florida for some work and I'm gonna take one of those days and we're gonna go out and uh, catch some fish and and maybe do some filming. Hopefully, some of that content ends up on like one of our like secondary channels or whatever. Anyway, and uh, you, of course, being the awesome person you are, are like, heck yeah, I'm in. Zane was down. uh, And then when I said the dates, it came down to Zane is a young man in school and so he's got finals. And He's like, ah, I can't make it. I'm like, dude, your finals aren't that important. Come on, let's go catch some fish. I don't <laughs> want to get eaten by an alligator. But uh, alas, he, uh, you know, he was a good, a good scholar, and he took his finals, and I'm sure he passed with flying colors because that dude is super smart. But nonetheless, though, Ryan, you, you came up, you, you stood up and said, Hey, man, I got you. Just let me know when you're in. And uh, sure enough, we carved out a day, and uh, we basically spent like almost uh, like, you know, at least half the day, if not a little bit more, together, just hitting up. Uh, multiple spots and doing a little mini uh, fish room tour and just having a great time.
1: Yeah, it was fun, man. I appreciate you coming down and I appreciate you, you trusting me to, to take you out. I wanted to, <laughs> I definitely wanted to get out because well, most of the spots we went to were pretty safe. I mean, they're all relatively safe, but the last spot, I guess we'll talk to eventually or talk about eventually the last spot was a spot. I would only been to once and it was definitely a little more off the beaten path than I had been used to. And it was a spot that Zane had showed me. So, even when I was there, I was, I wasn't the most confident person. Like I'd been there a million times, like some of the other spots. Um, but Hey, we survived. We're, yeah, we're good.
0: The the last spot is if we were going to get eaten by something, it was for sure in the last spot. But um. yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So first <laughs> off um, this experience, so the last time you and I, um, you know, kind of hung out in person or, or did any collecting was uh, what, two years ago now when uh, Corey and yeah. I were there. And yeah, that was, in
1: 2019.
0: And that was my first actual, like, tropical fish collecting whatsoever, and it was with you as our guide. Um, and this time, though, not that the company was any better or worse, but the equipment, instead of having butterfly nets and uh, a yes. two-inch uh, bait scoop handle, we actually had proper Jonas the Perfect Dip Net. So that, that instantly helps.
1: Yeah, it is it is night and day for sure. No, wait, so when we went collecting in 2019, you hadn't been to Peru yet? No. Oh, okay, okay, so, yeah, okay, so, and you went to Peru, and then, obviously, the place we went to was not, like, Peru, but it was, like, the closest thing where, you know, you're actually kind of walking in a river and there's some mud. Um, but, yeah, the, the Jonas Dipnet, definitely night and day, um, and I thank Corey for that, too. He had sent them out to me previous to his, uh, to his trip, because in 2019, you both were kind of here in town, um, and then he had made a secondary trip out by himself and he had sent those Jonas dip nets previous to that. And I've utilized them ever since then. And, um, they're just, I recommend they're expensive. If you're listening and you people ask me all the time what the best one is. And it is Jonas dip net. I think it's like JonasAquarium.com. If you Google it, you'll find it, but they're like 70, 80 bucks. But in my opinion, worth every penny.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's what we took down with us to, uh, to Peru. And, um, I think. No, we brought ours back, but um, that's they—they they have older nets on the boat, but some of them kind of have holes in them, like not—not not like the standard hole that comes in the mesh, like actual tears. Which yours, you've kept in very, very good shape. So I think Corey would actually probably really appreciate that you've kept those nets in such great condition. Um, but yeah, having it when you go somewhere to collect fish, right? And like you fly somewhere and you plan a trip and an event around, you know, doing this. You you kind of want to have like the best equipment, and you don't really want to have an excuse of well, if I only had better equipment, maybe I would have caught more fish. Because like legitimately, the butterfly net versus like the Jonas net, or even probably something else that's like even comparable. Um, those nets are are just so awesome. And like, and if you can't if you can't reach the fish, if you can't get the fish in the net, if it's not if if it's not going to give you the proper amount of like. Um, speed through the water, you know, and you're, mm. you're giving the fish too much time to get away and it's not durable. Like all these elements, it's just a really, man, we're just we're hitting up sponsorships for Jonas. We're hitting up sponsorships for right. his water bottle. The aquarium Co op was kind of like an afterthought as far as the hashtag, episode sponsorship.
1: Hashtag free plugs for everybody.
0: <laughs> for everybody. For everybody. Yeah, good times. Um,
1: but, but, <laughs> oh, there it the is. Oh, there's the first oh, one. Oh, should we just there. stop right now and address this? <laughs> do you to explain this, man? <laughs> well,
0: apparently. Apparently, everybody. <laughs> I say "good times" to like fill dead space, so that's where I just like subconsciously, when Randy's feeling vulnerable and I need to like make <laughs> noise, I say the word "good times." Or, I don't think always. I think I think people. <laughs> but those were that was legitimately good times, that. though. That was a legitimately a good time. <laughs> I
1: think I agree I, there, has, there has to be some context. I think the whole "good times" thing there needs to be some context, and it depends on the. Uh, what's the word like the like how it's pronounced like you know there's there's definitely some true good times other times where it's like crickets oh good times good times oh so there's and, like
0: certain inflections that i'll take
1: like <laughs> that's the word inflections yeah I, I think not just you though in general i, I could be wrong leave a comment <laughs> on, this is a youtube video right so we'll, we'll be leave a point. comment below if you if you i think that's a common thing that over the years people are like oh good times good times as like uh <laughs> this ain't really good times bro but obviously you can use it when it is good times too it's all about the context. It felt I'm like... sure the listeners know. I'm sure there's been there's been a couple times where there's been some dead space and good times, but there's been plenty of true good times as well on the podcast. If
0: I was good at this job, I would um, edit such that there w- there was no space. And now, now knowing that apparently I say good times is a crutch, I would edit out every single good times. Um, except for maybe like one choice good times. But uh, I'm
1: probably blowing it way out of proportion. But I think, but I love, I love how you don't edit stuff out. I think on our first podcast, that's called I'm lazy. Marketing.
0: No, no, that's just called I'm lazy.
1: Well, listen, it's a, you know, you're lazy, but you get that, you get that effect <laughs> of being raw as well.
0: Oh, goodness. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it, it felt like, it almost kind of felt like an intervention at first because we didn't even leave your house in the morning before you brought that up. <laughs> And it was almost like something was on your chest, like I had offended you somehow, or there Not was a at slight, all. and you're like, hey, before, you're like, before we go, we, we have to talk about something. And I'm like, oh, I forgot right, It's like, did, what it did, did I do? Early. Like, I don't know it what happened.
1: I just thought it was funny. But clearly, you're known for it, though, because our our mutual friend, acquaintance Chris, he had posted earlier today on my wall good times as randy would say so i from, don't know if he knows it yeah too.
0: chris from Leica, right
1: yes yeah yeah from <laughs> long island yeah i know him was a uh, uh, grassy grassy peak on youtube really good guy we traded fish back and forth and i don't know you may just be known for it as just like it's a good thing to say as, you know maybe he doesn't think of it as like this filling in the blank space that could be all in my you know crazy crazy head but I just thought it was funny. Oh, the good man. times meter. Oh man! If you, if, if you say if you say good times like four plus times on a podcast, and might I, not have been the best one.
0: <clears throat> I had a um, <laughs> one of my professors at a uh, San Diego State who was absolutely notorious for every like seventh word out of his mouth was literally, and mm. that that one already is kind of a pet peeve of mine because we have really i say bastardized i wonder if that's going to get me like demonetized but we've we've taken the we've taken the word literally and we use it in the absolute wrong context so like when you say i could literally eat a horse you could not literally eat a horse um and that's just one of (laughs) the things that just kind of drives me a little crazy because it's such a such like a catchy thing to say like i could i literally blah 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 and half the time it's like oh that's believable like you don't have to say literally because what you just said i i totally believe it that'd be like Man, Ryan and I, we we literally caught so many gambusia. Like we literally caught the most gambusia. But that was like the number one species we caught while we were collecting. Like you don't have to say literally. Like that's it. That almost it, makes it. That is yeah. a believable yeah. statement. Like we we understand. I and man, this pod, this episode is not it's not your fault. This is all my fault. This one is. Uh...
1: No, you, you, yeah, we're way <laughs> off. But we we, we we can say no. I, I, I totally understand what you're talking about. But um, back to collecting, though. No. <laughs> yeah,
0: great great natural segue, right? <laughs> But um, yeah, like I say though, this is a free podcast, so you you know you get what you pay for. Uh, yeah. So collecting, what was uh, describe the first spot because I think we went so the to the first f- five spots. I think.
1: Yeah. So the biggest difference usually, I mean, there's a lot of different there's a lot of different like I guess qualities to a spot. We're looking for a certain fish. Um, there's like lake versus river is a big one because certain species prefer like that flower flowing water versus like a lake, which is, you know, usually more stationary. Um, the different bottoms of whatever water body of water you're in. So if it's like a sandy bottom or some muddy bottom, certain fish will like, um, certain areas more than others. The first place, the first couple of places we went to were kind of more lakes and, Usually the lake, you're just walking around the edge, looking in the the grassy areas. The first place I took you was really close to my house. I was hoping to find some, acara, which is like a an invasive, small uh, cichlid, like a dwarf invasive cichlid. And I caught them there like a year ago. We didn't we didn't end up getting any uh, with you, but um, we we went to a couple couple lakes around my house first, and we caught some baby bass too, right? Which uh, yeah, that was pretty. I'd never cool. seen them that size before. Yeah.
0: And you didn't, you had not known, you did caught, you've caught those before, but you didn't actually know that they were, uh, juvenile or, or, you know, very small bass until Zane had told you that that's what they were, right?
1: Correct. Yeah. I was actually, um, I, I caught them when they were smaller, but I guess in that medium size, they got a the little red on their tip and I dip knitted one like, a week or two before you got into town. And I was like, Oh my God, what is this fish? I thought it was a new type of killifish fish or something. And I sent a picture to Zane and he's like, Oh yeah, baby, large mouth bass. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Like,
0: oh, the okay. opposite <laughs> of a new Kili <laughs> yeah.
1: like, oh, okay <laughs> Awesome. Um, but, but yeah, no, but it was exciting to catch nonetheless. And now I have that much more information about it um, and know that's what that is. So it was, it was, it was cool. It was fun, but I think I, I and- hope I planned properly. I kind of, Wanted to save some of the best spots for last and kind of um, get get a little more where I thought would be higher percentage spots as we went on for the day.
0: Yeah, and I would say every spot was good in its own right. Uh, the first one was kind of funny because it was it was like a small lake in a clearing surrounded by just kind of subdivision, and so we were just kind of these you know two guys out in the middle of. You know this grassy area going up to a lake with nets, um, and I'd have to imagine anybody looking out from their home because it's like homes at the street, and then all of a sudden it like dips down into a bowl, which is basically grass and then the lake. Um, so they probably were like, "What the heck are these goofballs doing?" But uh, that was that was a decent spot because there we got the the baby largemouth bass. Um What else did we get there? Did we uh, gambusia? I mean, we basically got gambusia, yeah, mosquito gambusia, fish in every spot. Yeah,
1: mosquito fish, gambusia pretty much everywhere. They're most they're the most common fish in most spots. Uh, I think we we caught a few of those darters. And these were the, um, the swamp darters. They were ah. much smaller. That's a, that's another thing I've been learning, and this is this takes years because, I mean, you could look it up in a book, I guess. But over the last couple of years now that I've been collecting and going at different times of the year, I've noticed oh, okay, like there's tiny little flagfish this time of year. Oh, okay, there's bigger ones this time of year, not as many. So I'm learning like the breeding cycle and when this fish breeds, and clearly the darters at this time of year, you know, were. Fairly, fairly young. So I, that would lead me to believe that they had been breeding fairly recently, uh, which I guess is not a surprise in the springtime, but just something else. It's like, okay, that's first time I've seen that. Even though I've been collecting for a couple of years, first time I've been able to like pinpoint. Okay, a lot of small, tiny darters in the month of you know April.
0: And and that's right actually one that, that you're kind of interested in, right?
1: Yeah, that's one I don't find a ton of. None of these fish. i will make to clear that none of these fish that are like these little non-game fish they're called in florida they're not endangered there's literally they're they're plentiful everywhere um they may not be on a roadside creek in every roadside creek but they're throughout florida in their natural habitats there's thousands of them they're not even regulated in terms of you need to have a license but there's not a limit so to speak because there's just not they're not worried about them to that extent um that being said there are definitely fish that I come across a lot more frequently than others. And the swamp darter is something that, although it's maybe not a rare fish, so to say, in the wild, it's not something that I come across all the time and have been able to kind of like find um, uh, with any regularity, uh, so to speak. like I can't go and like just collect darters whenever I want to. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of been hit or miss here and there. There's some spots I know that they're usually there sometimes or I can kind of find them. Uh, but that's cool though. I mean, when a, when a fish is that prevalent there's something something mystique about the fish that's a little more rare, you know so
0: yeah cool and so yeah, maybe uh when I'm back there in the in the future if you haven't you know figured it out where they all are or even if you do if you're still interested in it, I'd be happy to to try to find some swamp uh, some more swamp darters with you
1: yeah, man that'd be fun that's kind of like the pygmy sunfish not jumping ahead too much, but a, a pygmy fun, sunfish which I'm sure the listeners will know that you you know it's a fish a lot of people kind of I've, uh, oh my God, a little tiny fish that's so blue and packs his punch and it's so tiny. And I think in the last year, a lot of people have been aware of it. And um, it was kind of this, this like search for this elusive fish. I've known about it for two or three years and I've been collecting for two or three years, had never found one. About a year ago, my buddy and I finally came across one. He netted one and it was still like, oh my God, we caught one. We caught one, it's a male. We haven't seen any others. And it was like, it was awesome. It was kind of like every time we went out, looking for a new spot you maybe maybe could find it maybe won't find it um and now i know a spot where i can collect them regularly and that's fun but it's also like another chapter now i'm looking for other species and other things that are like that next you know code to cracker. how can i find it um that the pygmy sunfish now that i can now that i found it regularly I haven't really collected it much. We collected a few to send back to you. Spoiler alert. But <laughs> I um, I, haven't, I haven't collected many because I'm, I'm trying to breed them. You know, I, I have yeah. a couple now. So now it's like, okay, I'm going to try to crack the breeding code and then try to move on to f- try to see if I can collect something else and find where that is at more regularly.
0: Have you done any collecting
1: outside of the, the greater Orlando area? Um, not really. I mean, I've, uh, within a couple hours of Orlando, but not, I haven't really gone so super far south. And that would probably be within the state, there's two spots, South Florida, because some just cool invasive, so to speak. Um, If you go really south, there's a guy with a small YouTube channel um, that does a lot of brackish water collecting. So I want to kind of link up with him and do some brackish water collecting down by the Keys, maybe. Mm. Um, And then also up north in the panhandle of Florida, there's another type of pygmy sunfish called the um, Gilberti pygmy sunfish. And it's just another type of, you know, just like the Everglady eye and the Okefenokee. But I think that'd be a cool worth a trip up to the Panhandle because that's um, its native, ha- native habitat is up there.
0: Yeah, very cool. And, that, and that's something like that I really appreciate about Florida is just all the wildlife that is out there. And granted, I know uh, there's a good portion that is going to be invasive. Uh, but, you know, just the just you can drive. I mean, virtually anywhere. Let's, let's just take Orlando, for instance. You're driving around Orlando. There's bodies of water pretty much everywhere. There's roadside creeks pretty much everywhere. And if you just have a dip net, or even if you're not even going to dip net, if you just go down to the creek, you will see the fish in the water. You will see the gambusia. You will see mm-hmm. the uh, sailfin mollies. You will see all these different fish doing their thing. You'll see tadpoles. It was like tadpole season, man. They were maybe there <laughs> to year round. But, man, there was that one spot where there was just like the tadpole highway of thousands of tadpoles in this, you know, relatively small little creek, right? And it's, you know, big deal. They're frogs, but it's still cool. Like, that's still really, really cool to see.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it all, it always brings me back to my childhood. Like, I think all of this stuff, fishkeeping, hobby in general, but especially getting out and collecting, I don't know if I touched upon it. On the first episode, maybe we were talking about like my early days and breeding guinea pigs and whatever. But as a kid, I remember just getting out as a little stream behind my house and exploring. And when I'm out there, it's kind of definitely a part of me is like back there, just geeking out, looking at nature, checking out little things, you know, bugs, spiders, maybe getting bit by an ant or whatever bit you. <laughs> but, uh, you know, just getting in touch with nature. It's it's fun. It's cool. And there's always something to learn.
0: Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's you hear people that let's say let's say you're like in the boomer generation or older uh, the idea of oh yeah, I was a kid. I was always out there in the creek with tadpoles and crawdads and all sorts of other things. Um, but I I get the sense that the 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 you know millennials and the younger generations that there's going to be this gap where you know that there's not a lot of just like the kids going off smashing by themselves and you know collecting uh, collecting fish or just kind of getting into trouble in creeks and whatnot and um, seems. Kind of sad, but ho- hopefully that's just a, a false generalization and that there's actually a ton of kids that are still yeah. going out there exploring. And you know,
1: I hope you're right. I think that because I remember when I was growing up, like I, my generation, I'm 35, I, I was born 86. So I, I growing up, I, I still played stickball on the street with my friends and stuff like that. I mean, I was a gamer, don't get me wrong, I played a lot of video games, but I was still out there you know, stickball on the street. But I remember even my, you know, my parents' generation would always say, oh, yeah, we were the last generation to do that. And now my generation, like, I see myself saying, oh, yeah, I was the last generation to play stickball on the street. And oh, now everybody's gaming. So I hope, I hope that's just kind of like a over-inflated, blah, blah, blah. And actually, there are plenty of kids still out there in the mud playing with bugs and whatever.
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's move on to spot number two.
1: This was by the lake, kind of, kind of like the downtown city center, almost, right? Oh yeah. no, but well, that was, well, I guess, well, that was kind of where we found a lot of the bass. So we, can, we, we kind of blended spot number one and two together by my house. Oh, did we find um, bass at number two?
0: Because number two, <coughs> number two had the smoking guy that was giving us the the crazy stink eye. That was yes. spot number two.
1: Yes, we found bass there. Yeah, we found. I think we found a lot of bass there. But yeah, I forgot that guy was very, very intrigued, very interested, and I think he wanted to help, but I don't know how, I don't know, he didn't really know how to help or because he didn't really know what we were doing. Did, but,
0: we, did we get any other species at, at number two? Because that was, that was the much bigger lake, like a more proper lake.
1: Um, I don't think we we kept anything from there. No, we didn't start keeping things until we cool. actually drove a little bit, and um, we started getting some of the least keely fish, and some of the, you caught it like the bluefin keely fish, and... That, that was a spot kind of by that bridge where
0: yeah, there was like yeah, trash yeah. in the water yep,
1: yep. next to that construction place. Yep.
0: But uh, but yeah. but number two, though, I don't think there was any other species, though. Maybe gambusia? No,
1: it was just the bass. Just the bass? We might have caught some darters there, but it was just the bass primarily. Um, I took us there before because I, I came across a siren there and some other that's funky right, stuff. That's right. I think I think I might we might, we might have caught one or two sailfin mollies there, but there wasn't as much volume of fish as there was in like spot number three and four. Is it much a, more volume of
0: fish? Is it a greater siren or a least siren? What's the?
1: I'm not really sure. It was it was it was a baby, so I don't really know um, what What's the difference. I, I don't. I'm not sure which it was.
0: But they're kind of like a. Um, it almost sounds like it's an axolotl. Like,
1: exactly, I know. People who are really into them like, oh my, it's not an axolotl, and I know it's not. <laughs> did I just, offend, did people, I just offend offend? For like the average fish person, that's the closest thing you're going to think of, because it looks like that it like looks It looks just like an axolotl. Yeah. They're kind of more of like a, a reddish, brownish, or I don't even know. They're kind of like a natural looking color.
0: Oh, wow. That's crazy. Okay. And you caught one of those there. Yep. Nice. Is that that water bottle you're drinking out of? You heard that? Yes, it is. That's a Kotaki? I hear everything. That Come was on the, the... Yeah, Kotaki. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. And then spot number three, um, like a a straight up roadside ditch was spot number three and spot number three was alive with with fish.
1: Yeah. Spot number three is one of my favorite spots. And just to kind of fill people in in terms of the water level. So water level is huge when we're talking about collecting. And it's kind of like a Goldilocks thing where it's like, you know, a little too low, a little too high or just right. And when it's too low, you know, you got areas that are just dry and fish, you know, unfortunately they can, just like in the Amazon dry season, similar thing happens here to an extent, you know, there's plenty of fish that get dried up and either they perish or birds, pick them off, et cetera. Um, so if it's too dry, not good. And if it's too wet, then you kind of have just fish everywhere. It's too deep. Um, it, the rivers kind of overflow their banks, so to speak. and just, it just spreads out everything. Whereas when you got this kind of medium to low level water, Everything's more concentrated. There's still fish there and they're more concentrated. Um, so Randy came at a pretty good spot at a pretty good time. It was actually a uh, higher water, a lot higher than it had been in April, but, uh, or beginning of April, but cause you were in town. What was that last week of April?
0: Uh, yes.
1: Last week of April. Yeah. So it was actually pretty good then. And at this spot, it was like perfect. Whereas it's not a deep, kind of roadside ditch but it's just deep enough that we found plenty of least killifish i think we found some bluefin killifish there some sailfin mollies maybe some crayfish as well
0: Mm yeah um you definitely found uh, and and i'm sorry we um the little glass shrimp we 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 caught a lot of those guys too at the other spots uh yes but yeah i was i'm sorry i was getting so distracted because i want to ask you does the does the water level fluctuate year round in florida or do you have a pretty stable dry and wet season
1: yeah so that's what i've been also kind of monitoring obviously you can look that stuff up but to monitor it based on my specific spots i've been monitoring over the last like year or two and i found that like the rainy season in florida we're coming up to the rainy season now so um now it's pretty good collecting, but in about two months, everything's going to be really, you know, flooded for the most part. And I say flooded. I don't mean like, you know, houses or whatever. I just mean it's, it's, the, it's the water level's high, and it's not the best for collecting. Um, and then I think we got another good period of collecting in the fall time when everything's receding again. But then in the dead middle of winter, it's pretty dry. Some of those spots I took you would have been literally no water at all. Really? Not the lakes, but like the the roadside ditch. Yeah,
0: here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you would think wintertime that you guys would have water. Just like I don't know, I I don't know. I I, get, I, I would assume that I get a lot of rain in the wintertime. Granted, I'm way up here in the Pacific Northwest, but um, that you would the, the the rest of the country would also have a rainier time during the wintertime. Unless you're obviously somewhere so cold that it snows. Uh, but to hear that Florida actually gets drier in the in in the wintertime is interesting.
1: Yeah, we pretty much throughout the summer it gets hot. It's one of those things that I didn't I grew up in New York and I didn't even realize because in New York it's hot out in the summertime and it rains, it's like refreshing. It's ooh, it's raining, it's nice, it feels good. When it's like the middle of summer and it rains in Florida, first off usually it rains for like an hour or two and just like downpours. And like the street just starts smoking and it's just humid and it's muggy and it smells <laughs> and it's just like, oh, uh, but it happens pretty much like every day in the summer, like in the afternoon, Three, four o'clock, it just out of nowhere, just freaking downpours and then, you know, goes away. Uh, but that happens a lot in the Florida uh, summers for sure.
0: <laughs> I was in uh, Baltimore in the summertime uh, doing some training, and I was just gonna cross the street from like the little eatery place uh, across from the hotel. And I'm just waiting with everybody else, and all of a sudden a, th- a thunderstorm rolls in and just dumps rain. Right, and first that's kind of strange because because <laughs> where I'm from on the west coast, like we really don't have that like that, that that kind of that kind of rain downpour doesn't happen. Like a
1: sun shower, it's called a yeah, sun shower. People yeah. don't even, see, people, don't, most people don't even have names for that, like. You know, there's like a, a soda versus pop. What do you call this? What do you call that? <laughs> Half the country go, what do you call when it rains out, when it's sunny? They go, I don't know, you know, because it doesn't happen. But yeah, it happens, <laughs> it happens in Florida.
0: So so th- that happened. And I'm like, I'm from, you know, I'm from the Pacific Northwest. It's, it's drizzly and rainy all the time. I'll just walk across this because everybody was, you know, like sheltered waiting for it to pass. And uh, yeah, as, as I cross the road, um, pretty much about halfway, by the time I'm halfway across the road, I'm absolutely soaking drenched. Because <laughs> this is not a rain that I'm used to. This is just straight up buckets from heaven that are just falling down on Baltimore. So uh, having to dry out my only pair of shoes that I had brought before, you know, work the next day. That was that was fun in the uh, in the hotel room. But yeah, that's my that's my little story of uh, East Coast Oof. and the uh, summer summer downpours.
1: Yeah, so. sometimes rain is not as refreshing as you'd yeah. like it to be. <laughs> so so re- yeah,
0: recap on spot number three: um, least killifish. Um, we got, uh, so you got a self and Molly, you got crayfish. I think we got the glass shrimp, um, gambusia mm-hmm. of course. And I think,
1: wasn't that the first spot where we got the golden top minnows? I believe so. We got a few like smaller juvenile ones. Yep.
0: Mm-hmm. And that was, that was actually really exciting to, uh, to get those. Um, cause like, uh, like Peru kind of going into it, like, ah, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go out there to collect to have fun. But I think once we got that fish, I'm like, oh man, maybe I should have Ryan send me some of these guys. <laughs> like, maybe I might want to, I might want to have these in my fish room. Cause you know, and that, that bug kind of bit me and it's like, ah, oh, man, I, yeah, we'll see if we can have Ryan, uh, ship these to me, which you're, you're going to be awesome. And you are. Um, but yeah, that was a, that was a really fun spot. And like I said, that was straight up like roadside ditch trash in the, uh, trash in the water. Um, but a very, very productive spot.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's always interesting because some of these spots are like literally like so close to civilization, so to speak. And unfortunately you do run to the trash and try to pick it up as much as you can. And I never really, I never know what people would think. Like if they'd be you know surprised that it's like, Oh my God, it's just right there. Or it's like, Oh, it's, it's just right there on the side of the road. Like that's where you find the fish. Uh, But, yeah, sometimes it is literally just right there. Yeah, I I would
0: not have believed it until, um, you know, that first time collecting in Florida, where if, you know, if you're even remotely interested in aquariums or in native fish or in, you know, catching your own aquarium fish, like Florida is just such. And and I know other parts of the South, too, that have these smaller, cool natives or even the Midwest with the darters that they have. But, um, yeah, just going out there in the water with the dip net, and it's just, it's it, it's not like this mythical stream or something. It's not like there's one body of water, like, oh, you have to go to this absolutely pristine stream um, that is, you know, hidden in the woods in, in, in Florida somewhere. It is any creek. It's like any little body of water pretty much is going to have fish in it there.
1: Yep. And it may just be gambusia. A lot of times it's just gambusia or <laughs> whatever, but, but that's, but it's fun though. Like it may be just gambusia and tadpoles. It may be, it may be some cool, you know, uh, a fish that I've never even seen yet. It depends. I mean, you just could be on the roadside ditch. There was a, a gentleman a year or two ago that was coming like just on a little trip down from like South Carolina and he stopped at a panhandle on a roadside ditch and boom, pygmy sunfish. Like it's like, Oh, okay. Just right there. That's where they were. Um, but, so-
0: yeah, so yeah, so right. spot number four on the note of gambusia, this is this, there'll be a tie in there, but spot number four was the little roadside ditch, but the more the pool where there was a ton of gambusia, right? And that's where we is that was that spot number four?
1: Um, that was the next spot. Yes, 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 yes. where there was a little pool, yeah. Where where you caught your first pygmy sunfish, right? Didn't we, or I, uh, I caught a pygmy sunfish did. there. You did. No, I I caught a pygmy, and I I never caught one there before. It surprised me. Yes.
0: Yeah, so this um, was this was a much wider drainage ditch, um, grass all along the embankment. Um, water definitely was was like in a, at a lower point, but there was this one spot that was kind of more of a pool. And within that pool, though, was just this concentration of fish life. And you know, kind of on your point of gambusia, are kind of everywhere. You know, they were definitely prolific there. They're probably you know ninety percent of the fish that were in that water, maybe even a little bit more, was gambusia but there were a ton of them and like you would just, you would just scoop the dip net in and lift up and probably have 50 gambusia in your net. And it's really hard to not find that cool when there's that many fish in your net and they're just all (laughs) shimmering. You see the iridescence, you see the boys, you see the girls. That was, that that is still really, really cool.
1: Yeah. And to boot, they were some of the melanistic cambuja, the little Dalmatian looking ones. You had spotted those, and I haven't seen those in a while either. Um, and you can could, you could visually see them in the water, the difference. Um, polarized glasses definitely helps. But, you know, usually when the fish are swimming, a lot of times when collecting, you're not, you're not like sightseeing. You know, you're just kind of putting the net within a grassy area, and you're hoping that there's fish in there. Um, if you see fish swimming around in the open, a lot of times it's just cambuja. But in this case... We were able to kind of pinpoint and uh, work work to grab a few of those melanistic males, which have those black spots. It look like kind of just like a Dalmatian kind of uh, Gambusia, which is really neat.
0: Yeah, because a normal mosquito fish is is just basically a plain kind of silver grayish guppy. They still have really cool iridescence, like they've got you know little flashes of blue in them and, and whatnot but you know nothing like a like a designer guppy if you will so just just picture a plain guppy um and yeah it, as ryan described it you know very much kind of a spotted dalmatian uh version of that and it was it really was strange you know seeing it for the first time in the water because you see all the gambusia swimming around all the mosquito fish but then you see like one or two just kind of has like a different it's just like a different shine it's like a different way that the light catches it and i'm like right is that like, is that a different fish? And then and that's when you're like, oh, I think maybe that's the melanistic ones, the um, the different kind of mosquito fish. And it sounds like one of your buddies is, you know, slightly interested in those. Um, th- and, and those ones, unfortunately, kept wanting to stay towards the middle of the pool, which, granted, the water was very, very low, and we were able to get really close. But, you know, it was still far enough. It was still a um, wide enough pool that we couldn't, even with a long dip net, really get to the center accurately, um, or with much kind of strength to go through the water but uh we were able to get a couple of them out of there though as they kind of came
1: a little bit closer to the shore yeah man we were able to uh grab a few as well as some uh some other cool stuff there too the way that pool is set up there's kind of like a a steep edge so to speak so if you can kind of really get in there and kind of just drag up the the side and kind of come up the edge um where a lot of these a lot of these Pools and a lot of these roadside ditches. It's kind of like a gradual slope into the water, whereas in this area, like I said, it's more steep cutoff, So you can kind of just almost like a vertical drop and scoop your net up, and you'll catch a lot of gambusia, but also we're able to grab some uh, some golden top minnows there too. Uh, we caught that's that, the, the, that's where I caught the one chunker. That's <laughs> the biggest one I ever seen.
0: Man, I thought the way you got so excited when you pulled your net, when, like when you were looking through your net and you saw what you saw. I thought you had to have picked up, like, uh, somebody's, like, two-carat diamond, like, wedding <laughs> ring or something, man. Like, the way you were talking, you were hopping back over across the, uh, the you know, the little little bits of land, uh, kind of connecting the two sides of that little, of the, the drainage creek. Uh, yeah. And when you showed me that thing, man, that golden-top minnow was such a chunk especially compared to the other little ones that we were catching at the other spot. Like this, this looks like a top minnow that has lived in somebody's aquarium, like as the sole fish living in like a, you know, 55 gallon aquarium, just eating all the good food for like three or four years. Like this thing. looked.
1: That's what you said. As soon as you, as soon as you saw it, you were like, this is like like an aquarium specimen. This is like amazing. And I was so excited because I've caught in, in that species, usually the, um, the golden top minnow the males and females typically i've seen chunkier females females get a little more like sausagey and i'd seen maybe a year or two ago i had a pretty chunky female but not even that big as the one male we caught so i would seen some like what i thought were larger males but that guy is so thick he's like a double decker bus he's just like he's so tall um so yeah dude it was it was cool cuz i don't have those moments that often where it's like see a golden top minnow sure i've seen them before but i would never seen one like that at all so it was just like it was super cool like i was not expecting to find that there either so it was just uh it was pretty neat pretty yeah because yeah
0: because i mean melanistic uh gambusia and gold fat fat golden top minnow and then you getting the first pygmy sunfish of the trip well that was a pretty pretty good spot on top of just seeing all the different gambusia that were there
1: yeah, yeah. no i i had a good time that was I, that's a spot that i had high hopes for but it definitely even uh, exceeded my my hopes, for sure. Yeah.
0: Now, what did not exceed uh, expectations or wasn't fun was true to my, like, the moment somebody has a camera on me and I start goofing <laughs> around, like, something happens to Randy. And so the the very last dip net, right? I'm like, all right, Ryan, I'm going to get one more dip net. And you, you were already kind of done, so you busted out your phone. And so I'm in there. I get my, I get my scoop. I pull it up. And so kind of the form is, you know, I'm a, I'm a right-handed person, so I take my right hand and I kind of... You know, hold the. You hold the net in like the crook of your elbow. Your left hand is underneath, supporting the net, and you're just kind of going through all the debris. You're looking at the fish, and uh sure enough, what happens? Like, what, what was I doing? I was like making weird whooshing sounds or something. I was you tell- were doing like
1: a. You, you did was, a cha cha cha. You did a cha 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 on the swipes. <laughs> I did a cha 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 on the swipes, <laughs> and so
0: so so I already set it up right. I already jinxed myself, um, <laughs> and so as I'm going through, like something just like like a bullet ant or something just gets me right on the palm and I, like, drop the net, I think. I don't know, but, I mean, this thing got me Good, dude. And and of course, like I have no idea what it was, but you know, w- what we're not mentioning is that with every scoop, we you're getting oh, yeah. you're getting spiders, you're getting these just the nastiest looking aquatic bugs, you're getting uh dragonfly larvae, yes. just things that look absolutely alien, and we're so glad that we're like large mammals and not something that these little <laughs> insects can <laughs> eat. And I'm sure one of those things just decided to what's this, what's this, you know, chubby palm coming at me and just uh Took a bite. Um, I would imagine it was a bite because it, it definitely got red, but it didn't get like puffy or anything. So yeah. maybe more of a bite as opposed to a sting. It could
1: have been. I mean, yeah, we came across a lot of different, like you said, beetles, spiders, at least like four or five different types of spiders I see, all you know, um weird aquatic bugs. So something something definitely got you. But it's one of those catch 22s because the Jonah's perfect dip net is, you know, about as perfect as a dip net as I seen, but The male male um least killifish will even slip through the Jonas dip net holes. Now, sometimes even the adult ones will kind of get like half stuck and then slip through. Um, but you kind of is it is nice to kind of have a hand or something underneath it, but you gotta be, you know, you gotta be weary or risk risk the bite.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and to be fair to the net, the male least killifish are tiny. They are like fry sized fish and like the the jonas dip net i mean the holes are they're 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 pretty small small and they're they're gonna do for most of the fish that you're gonna use that net for but that least killifish though is tiny so you kind of hope that yeah you kind of hope that you get leaf litter and like the males are stuck to the leaf Mm. litter so you have a better chance (laughs)
1: No, I think, I mean, I say that about the net. I, I feel like you couldn't even design it differently. Like, that's probably best. If the holes were much smaller, you probably have more resistance when you're swinging the net. So that's probably about as good as you're going to get it. probably doesn't make sense to make the hole smaller just for one species of fish. That is, like, the smallest in the North in North America, if not the world. I forget that whole thing. It's, it's definitely one of the smallest. There's a debate whether it's, like, the actual smallest live bear or not. Uh, interesting. I
0: thought, I, I didn't know that there
1: was a debate on that. Because I think, I think... And this is, I say, this is the bait. I've personally kept the tiger teddy, which is like the neo heterandra elegans, I think, and I've personally kept the least killifish, and I have definitely seen much larger least, especially females, like larger, like least killifish females twice the size of tiger teddy females, even while fully pregnant.
0: So the know. so the tiger uh, teddy is is, is it, depending on what circle you run in, could be considered the smallest live bear.
1: I don't, I guess I don't, I don't want to, like, I'm, I'm sure there is, there's, there, there's a, there, this is a, there's an answer to this, right? It's either a yes or no. One is the smallest, one isn't. I'd always heard that the least killifish was the smallest and I'd always kind of repeated that and I don't know now, I'm not sure if it's just, I'm, I'm almost positive the least killifish is the smallest in North America, but as far as the world, the tiger teddy may be smaller, but I'm not hundred percent sure.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Oh, Cool little controversy on the podcast. Well done, Ryan. Well done. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I'm just checking out, I'm checking Jonah's dip net right now. I want to see if he actually has one
1: that is a smaller. Different sizes? Yeah, different smaller. Because he, he has he, different color mesh, but the different color mesh is just, that's just like the color, right? That doesn't signify different size, or does it?
0: He's, yeah, he's got the different, you can get different color net. You can get different hoop size. Because we, we took down two that were full size and then one that was the smaller size down to peru um i think he's got different handle lengths
1: so the ones that i have those are the full size ones
0: you have the full size well the i think the standard full size i mean i I would say that maybe he has a larger one um but let's see here yeah the mini dipper so we've got one of those and can you get short handled kid size dip net oh there we go. I'll get my son that for, uh, for his birthday. And he'll be like, what am I going to do? Because the
1: ones we were using, I don't know. I, I've, I've, never bought them myself. Um, but the ones we were using all three that I got from Corey were each, each net is three pieces. So there's kind of a, butt, a net piece, and then a middle piece. Yeah. But you could take out that middle piece and make it a shorter net mm-hmm. essentially, which I've done before. And theoretically you could add probably one or maybe not two more extensions, but you could add another extension in the middle there probably too.
0: Yeah, so he's got, he has a mesh net for that, uh, a micro mesh bug netting, so he does have a Hmm. finer one, Um, and that would actually be interesting to try for at least Killy, to see what that does going through the water, I mean, maybe that's like your real legit uh, butterfly net, (laughs) yeah, all right, and so now we can move on to spot number five, like the final spot of the trip, right?
1: Yeah, this okay. was the spot that uh, Zane had showed me. This is the spot that I was definitely counting on to get us some pygmy sunfish, which it didn't fail. And uh, this is the spot that I was like, okay, this is the real, real collecting where you kind of just like hook a left into the woods and just walk, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was good. It was definitely uh, a little, little higher water level than uh, when I had went about a month prior with Zane. But I think we were able to – we didn't catch much fish when we walked back into the woods because, like, the, the river had kind of flooded out the woods. But it was pretty neat. And I, I did catch, like, a darter, like a big, fatty, black-banded darter, which I now I think is called the West Falls Darter. But I caught one just randomly. Um, I think we had a good time just back there. It was kind of cool to explore. Um, but I guess the the good time for that had already passed <laughs> in terms of, like, it was already it was already too, too high to really kind of uh, – uh, much collecting back, back in the woods.
0: Uh, yeah. And the, but, and the visual on that one is it very much reminded me of when Project Piaba shows where uh, the collectors in Brazil go kind of in the flooded forest to get the Cardinal tetras. It very much reminded me of that. It was like forested canopy. There were some spots that were, you know, where there was a break in the canopy. And so you get these nice, you know, nice amount of sunlight coming down. But for the most part though, it was pretty, you know, pretty kind of overcasty dark in there um, water just overflowing the little stream, just kind of completely flooding everything for the most part. Uh, really, really cool. But, you know, kind of in the moment, you're like, man, this is like perfect for snakes and you know, like any other critter that's just going to be hiding somewhere. And, uh, but no, it was, it was pretty awesome. It was a cool spot, even though, you know, we actually didn't catch any fish. Well, you caught the one fish, but you know, we really, as we went into the forest, there was really not that great of collecting to do in there.
1: Yeah, but near, but if but bef- like uh, near the area before you go in there's a little bit the river. I has, has a higher bank, so it's a little more collected in itself. And there's some area that we were able to kind of dip net along the banks of the river um, before it heads into the forest. And we're able to get you your first pygmy sunfish, which you caught it, and you, you're I mean, you're I think I got it on video. You being excited, but then when I saw the dang fish, I mean you caught the specimen of all specimens, man. Like, it was like this gorgeous male, like, you know, he I was, was like, I think fired my up. were. They it don't, they don't all look like this, Randy. <laughs> like, this is like, this is quite the fish that catches your first one, man. Dude, was, that guy,
0: awesome. that guy was fired up, man. He was absolutely fired up in color, just pitch black with those, you know, that, that blue iridescence all over his body. Just, like chunky sized. And I can only imagine that he must've been like trying to, you know, trying to impress some female, like to be that colored up. And then all of a sudden <laughs> here comes this goofball with a net swooping him up out of the water. Um, but yeah, he was a really, really, really cool fish. So hopefully um, you can, I can get that guy in the fish room. And um, I think, I think in total we've now, we collected more of the pygmy sunfish than what were actually sent to Robert and I and, uh, or, or Bob was going to have his little colony. Um, That's funny. So, yeah, yeah, kind of funny. Um, but uh, but I, guess, yeah. I guess
1: I say funny, but it sucks that it that you guys, I forgot you guys like, tried to order, like, you wanted each, like, a big colony each to start, but you just it didn't happen. Yeah, and
0: I, I don't even want to talk about it because it's just, you know, negativity, but yeah, it's yeah. just funny that I can go out there and collect for half a day and just get all these pygmy sunfish that we had, you know, tried to order and spent three months trying to get.
1: So <laughs>
0: it's like Bob and I should have just hopped on a flight out to a Florida, visited you, and collected right. a bunch of uh, pygmy sunfish.
1: Well, you guys are always welcome, and like I said, the ones that the guy, I checked him out, I mean, he's 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 doing good, man. He's still lit up as ever, swimming around in the tank, so he'll be in your fish room here hopefully uh, in a week or so. Oh,
0: that's that's kind of a good segue to uh, plugwildfishtanks.com, but before we do that, let's talk about you and your bug experience. What happened with the fire ants, man? Like, I know we, so that were, was, we, we were looking for the fish
1: that fell. So twice, okay, so, and I'll, we'll be completely honest, because we were one for two, and that, I mean, that happens, but... We were collecting and netting fish, and we netted tons of fish, and I'd say all of them but one made back into the water or in our bucket. We we didn't take that many fish home. But uh, one of the first pygmy sunfish jumped out of my hand or your hand, and it was in the grass, and we kind of got on the hands and knees, and we spent about, I don't know, 30 seconds or whatever, we were able to find it and get it, you know, fine. It was perfect. Uh, And then about, I don't know, a little later in the trip, on the other side of the, the river there, it happened again where a pygmy sunfish kind of plopped out and we were digging through the, uh, the grass to try to find it. And I had my forearm on the ground and we were digging around. And unfortunately we weren't able to uh, recover that one. It happens rarely, but it happened this time. Um, But my forearm was also in an anthill. So at the time, I looked at the footage at the time. I said to you, like, oh, I just got to bite. I'm good, whatever. But the next day, <laughs> the next day, my whole forearm was like lit up with like I don't know, 20, 30 bites. It's like, oh man. And uh, I was a good boy. I didn't pop them. It, it was it was it was tough, but it was itchy as all get oh, out. Oh
0: my goodness. So yeah, so you got that. I mean, from the who got who got it worse from insects. I mean, you obviously got it worse than I did. But what's so so? Talk me through this. You're
1: not supposed to pop. The, the little bl- the boils or blisters or I don't think so I got a few friends that are nurses that's what they tell me cause like it's like a little clear liquid I don't think you die from it but I guess it's just an extra chance for it to get infected and leave a little scar or a mark or something so oh man yeah cause
0: it got you good cause you posted that on your community page or your, or your Instagram or something yeah. and it looked um you, you know you look like kind of a your forearm looked like a high school kid you know kind of going through an acne <laughs> breakout it's like oh man Ryan I feel terrible dude
1: that's ah dude, it's whatever. It was, what it was itchy, itchy for a couple days and
0: then fine. Nice, good times. All right, man. So let's talk about uh, wildfishtanks.com. Let's get some promo action here. So, Ryan, you are in your uh, continuing to evolve and grow fish room. You're housing the golden top minnows and the uh, pygmy sunfish for me, um, and then you're also going to try to source some uh, some shell dwellers, some multifasciata. Meeting for with me as them
1: well. tomorrow. <gasps> Meeting with them tomorrow. Yep. Oh. How exciting even the mar to get them for you. Yep. oh so.
0: how exciting man. that's awesome. and I definitely need to take care of you on that one so just let me know whatever that's gonna cost but uh yeah wildfishtanks.com, man how's business going?
1: It's going good, man. it's going really well. I've been trying to slowly but surely offer some more products. I've got a lot of uh, a lot of live bears, guppies, and some wild type live bears up there been working behind the scenes on a lot of different uh, dwarf cichlids from a business standpoint I should I, I know I should focus on probably just all live bears or all dwarf cichlids or whatever, but uh, I got, I got the live bears going on. I got dwarf cichlids actually working with a few um, wild type betas that I should have available hopefully soon by the end of the year. And the bristle plecos, that's kind of like a bread and butter thing, super reds and the calicos and the lemon blue eye got a lot of short fins and working on some, some long fin bristle nose plecos as well,
0: mm-hmm. and you and I both. Uh, we before we went out collecting, we talked about long fins and just our struggle with having the same, um, uh, just the, the same success spawning those as you do with the short fins, right? And and honestly, when I say like success spawning, like it's basically throw some caves in, feed them well, leave them alone, keep the water clean, and they kind of do their thing, right? Where the long fins, they don't follow that same formula as the short fins, and if they right. or 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 if they do, they just don't go at it nearly as uh, vigorously, I guess, or as frequently as the short fins do. So we I don't know, we kind of talked about it. we talked about different, you know, cave theory in terms of uh, the shape of the cave, the size of the caves, how the cave, Um, potentially interacts with their longer fins and maybe there's some Mm -hmm. irritation there. Um, Have you thought of anything else to try or just like what's. No.
1: I mean, we'd also talked about like in my experience, them, the longer fins is on a higher frequency kicking the eggs. And that's why to circle it back to the beginning, these, this egg tumbler, it was the long fin albino. I don't have a ton of experience with long fin plecos, but from what little experience I have, I mean, they seem to kick the eggs much more frequently. I very rarely have that issue with my short fins. Um, and luckily I had this, this, egg tumbler to stick those in there. Uh, but unfortunately I haven't had a lot of repetition because they don't go as often. I have, I've had one batch of long fin lemon blue eyes and I've had one batch of long fin albinos. And usually once they get going, like the short fins, they keep going. But these guys, they went each, each female went once. and hasn't gone since. And it's been two, three months. And usually my short fin females go every five weeks.
0: Yeah. And that's what's strange. Cause I was just going to ask you like, Hey, what's the temperature of your fish room versus my fish room. But then even with our own fish rooms though, we still have short fins fluctuation
1: that well, oh, well, short we fins. have our yeah, own like
0: fins. micro fluctuations in our fish room, but we also have tanks with short fins and tanks with long fins unless you know, you, let's say all of your short fins are on the bottom row, which, um, yeah, I don't want to say that. Cause I've, I've got them on three levels. I have, super red short short fins on three levels uh three different racks and each you know each level will have like a degree or two difference than the level below it right so the lower tank's Mm -hmm. gonna be cooler than the one on the top and you know i've got short fins breeding at all three levels so even within my own fish room with those three different temperature ranges um short fins breed and they breed fairly often where again the long fins like just not just not doing it, and, and I look in there and I see, yep, there's there's a boy, there's a boy, there's a girl, there's a girl, and it's you know they're definitely they're 100% old enough because I've got at least I've probably had at least five or six successful um, clutches all okay. kicked out, but I haven't I haven't had a clutch of eggs huh, in probably like six months, maybe maybe a little wow. bit more. But I, don't you, know. I mean,
1: clearly they're old enough if you, if you had clutches before. Same thing with oh, they like, they're definitely I old keep enough, keep... yeah. Yeah, like, I keep most of my plecos in, like, pairs or trios and stuff like that. So, like, I'll know, okay, these exact two fish, like, there's only two fish in that tank, and they bred, you know, it's a long fin, they bred, and it's been three months, and they haven't bred again. That's weird, because if it was short fins, the first time they breed, they're going to breed again in five weeks, and then in five weeks, and then in five weeks, and three years later, they're still breeding every five weeks, pretty much, you know, Mm -hmm. unless it gets too cold. Like, that's the other thing, is in my garage. I let the temperature fluctuate. So without even knowing it, me and you are doing lots of experiments because I've had long fins. I've had long fins this winter at 70 degrees and I've had them this past summer at 84 degrees, you know, so, and everything in between. And where I, and you keep your fish room more consistent, right? Like you, you keep it around 80 or something like that all the um, time. I've or... actually,
0: I've, I've loosened that up a little bit. Um, I'm, I think right now it's at about 75, 76. I don't keep it as warm. Okay. I don't keep it as warm as I was. Uh, but even within the day, um, you know the once all the LED lights kick on I think if we start the day at let's say 74 it'll probably get up to about 78 by the time the lights are going to go off and then it'll cool back down overnight depending on how cold
1: it is outside That's a decent little fluctuation then
0: yeah I think I, I think so it seems it seems to work for most of the fish um, I will say though I did put um, so I had one of the smaller slate, uh, rectangular condos, one of the pleco condos. So I put mm-hmm. that. I put that in the long fin tank. So I'll share that with you if I have any success or whatnot. Like, oh man, Ryan, go get yourself some Slate square <laughs> condos, dude. That's the That's trick. That's the key. Because right now, because right? in their tank right now, I have the the triangular, rounded, the kind of rounded triangular one that we sell at Aquarium Co-op. I've got several of those in there. I have some um, like plecocave.com ones. I have the Amazon terracotta watering spikes. I've got a bunch of those in there. Um, I even have some prototype ones that some of our suppliers from overseas sent me. I've got like five or six different kinds of cave option for these super red long fins. Um, And actually, the other night, the other day, I did see I had two of them in the same cave. And uh, nothing, nothing happened. So Mm. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I need to warm up the tank. I don't know. Yeah. Anybody got any ideas? Drop some comments. Um, And I cannot imagine with the food that these guys eat, the variety of the high quality foods I give them, I cannot imagine it is
1: for lack of nutrition. Conditioning thing. Yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, I do know that they grow slower for sure. But like you said, once they reach sexual maturity, unless it's something where it's like they grow slower, so even once they reach sexual maturity, the eggs grow slower within the female. But I don't—I mean, now I'm just like talking out my butt I don't
0: know, <laughs> science, whatever. You know, but I—I I don't think that they're scared. I don't. So what I'm getting at is, uh, dither fish. Do I? Okay. Should I get some mosquito or should I get some pencil fish, Quarantine them up. Uh, make sure they're nice and healthy and then introduce some some equis pencil fish in there to have that extra dither effect to make them feel comfortable. But they have spawned numerous times without dither fish in their aquarium. Um, and actually, the tank that they're now in is exclusive to them, where before I had them with a massive colony of cherry shrimp. And I kind of thought, like, maybe the cherry shrimp are just kind of pissing them off. You know, a little cherry shrimp getting on you, pecking at you. And it's <laughs> kind of, <laughs> you know, making you not in the mood. You know what I mean? And, and I'm like, all right. Even though I did have successful clutches, even though they kicked them out, I did have successful clutches from that setup, but I did know that I wanted to move them to their own single species tank. Um, and yeah, since I've done that move, maybe I've had one clutch. Maybe I've had one clutch get kicked out, um, but it's nothing where it's like, it, it, again, it's nothing comparable to like the, short fins, the short fins when they get
1: regular. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, usually the short fins, they just, they once you pop, they don't stop. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you'd think it should be the exact same fish. Cause technically the long fin fish, it's not even like it's a hybrid. It's literally just selectively bred to be a little longer fin, a little longer fin over generations, if I'm not mistaken. So it's literally the, the exact same fish It's just selectively bred, but somewhere along the way, they just ha- must have some type of different temperament or behavior. Maybe it's something going on inside. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Good times. Well, if so, if, it, if there's an expert out there, drop some comments in the, uh, Uh, drop comments in the uh, YouTube video of this episode. And Ryan and I will try it out and then we'll share our successes with you at some uh, future episode. Perfect. All right, Ryan, well, where can people find you, my man?
1: You can find me at wildfishtanks.com and Wild fish Tanks on YouTube, Instagram, as well as Facebook.
0: Awesome. And we'll have links to those in the show notes. Ryan, man, this is, uh, again, thank you for sacrificing even more of your time to uh, talk with me today, kind of do a recap and relive uh, the, you know, the awesome day that we had uh, last week and um, really, really great. And I'm really looking forward to getting those fish in my fish room and um, yeah, you know, hopefully having some success and being able to share those pictures with you and like, oh man, look at the the golden top minnows are breeding, or you know the the pygmy sunfish. Dude, that are is finally the best, meeting.
1: man. The, honestly, I would love that. That's one of the best things. Actually, I get emails every once in a while. Now they're you know more frequently as I've been doing this longer, selling fish to people. I got someone message me the other day that the calico plecos that I sold them last year, they're breeding for them. And people, are, I got the breed, the guppies breeding. So it'd be really cool if you could get these golden tops breeding or. And or the sunfish or the multis, that'd be awesome.
0: Yeah, and for everybody, if you if you're interested in some guppies, uh, the guppies that I saw in your uh man, you have got some great colonies going. You've got a lot of color. You've got uh, you know several different varieties that are just you know ready. I, it looked like they are ready to move. So if somebody's looking for some guppies, head over to Wildfish Tanks uh, website. I'll have links in the show notes and pick up some guppies from Ryan or any other fish that he's got available right now.
1: Thank you, Randy. Appreciate it, man. Only three good times, and I only think one of them was like a was like a a hurried like you know got a quick change of direction. So really, did a really good episode. Yeah, there was two more. I do not want to bring it up. There was two more. Really? No way. Recognize.
0: No way. All right. Well, then I'm calling. You, yes, I'm calling yeah. you out for saying literally.
1: Oh, oh, literally. Oh, okay. you dropped
0: You dropped I'm, a literally, literally on me. So now, so now we're now we're not. Did. We're gonna end this now episode. We're gonna end this episode. Not <laughs> friends. All right.
1: <laughs> that was awesome, dude.
0: That's hilarious. Uh, good times indeed, my man.